Welcome to the third episode of the official Espigan podcast, hosted by Dr. Alex Nicely. Here I am again for the third podcast and for the third guest. The third guest is Dr. Nadja Haydn. Dr. Haydn works in Vienna. There her interest is principally in the parenteral alimentation of the premature infant. I've been sent a CV for Dr. Haydn, and that's all very well, but you'd think that like Minerva, she sprang forth completely armored from the brow of Zeus, from the faculty of medicine, all of a sudden there she was, a fully-fledged professor of pediatric gastroenterology and hepatology and alimentation. I don't know a thing about where she comes from, or where she was at university, or how she trained, or how she found her way into pediatrics, and then into pediatric intensive care, and then into pediatric neonatal intensive care, and can you see the Matryoshka dolls getting smaller and smaller into pediatric premature infant parenteral alimentation? So, Dr. Haydn, that was a long introduction. Start at the beginning. Where were you born and where did you grow up? Um, well, I was born in a small town in Upper Austria, um, Linz. Um, uh, and um, I was raised there by my grandmother for the first uh, 10 years and then uh, moved to Vienna with my parents. So they were very young parents and were divorced and uh, were still in university. And um, yeah, uh, then with 10 years, I moved to Vienna and to the big city and was impressed uh, by um, the busyness of the city. Um, yeah, I, I uh, went to, uh, to the gymnasium and then to medical school, which was very overcrowded at this time. So um, after medical school, we had to wait very long for an appointment to become a resident or a, a, a fellow. Um, and went to pediatrics because I, yeah, I got some, uh, did some studies there during my medical school and um, got more and more involved in these little patients and was fascinated by them because it's a very general view on on the patient. Um, you know, a pediatrician uh, responsible for everything: uh, the ears, the throat, the lungs, the gut, um, and so everything is in one hand. And this was um, very interesting for me to get a global overview of a patient. And during my training, I I, uh, went on the neonatal intensive care unit and I was fascinated by these little patients who were so um, immature and uh, grew up um, under my hands. um, And therefore I stepped into uh, neonatal intensive care unit and also the uh, the stress there and um, the resuscitation um, I really I really became to love it um, this is, was very um, yeah interesting and it gave me a real kick um, to to work there that's fascinating I admire people like you who every day go out and seek some more adrenaline <laughs> But I'm, I'm exactly the other way. You run towards stress and embrace it, and I ran away from it and became a pathologist. That's also it, interesting. <laughs> it is interesting. I'm a pediatric pathologist, and oh. what interested me there was exactly what interested you about pediatrics. That is, it's 
not just one thing, it's the whole kid. Right. Well, and then I went and ruined it all by going into pediatric liver disease, but that's a different matter. So <laughs> here we are now. You're, you're in the intensive care unit, and you're trying to bring these kids along, and that helps me understand why nutrition became so important. Right. These kids, they're, they're too young to eat, aren't they? Right. Yeah, especially um, the very small premature infants. You know, prematurity is uh, defined um, as an infant who is born before the 37th week of gestation. A normal pregnancy has 40 weeks. And actually, we are able to, um, to, to help um, infants up from 22 weeks to survive. But um, below 28 weeks, they are really, really immature, and these are the smallest and most vulnerable group. And to make them grow is very uh, difficult because they can't eat. They have no uh, coordinating, sucking, swallowing, breathing coordination, and therefore we need parental nutrition to make them grow. Um, you start also with enteral feedings, but parental feedings um, are also very necessary because the gut is very immature. You... Um, you have to make the gut used to get to tolerate enteral nutrition, and therefore parental nutrition is very, very important for this group of patients. That I understand. And among the things that appear on your CV are a set of guidelines from 2018, a set of guidelines for all of Europe put together by ESPGAN for how to manage the various aspects of parental alimentation. You've given us a shelf full of cookbooks. Is everybody in Europe supposed to give up their regional cuisine? <laughs> yes, um, um, these these guidelines are not based on taste, uh, like it's um, in enteral nutrition. What taste is very important. Um, this is uh, based on what the what the infant or what the preterm infant needs. So macronutrients, micronutrients, um, um, well, fluids, um, fluid maintenance, and. Um, Beside these, uh, the chapters on the macro and micronutrients, there are a few other um, guidelines uh, containing, um, for, for example, um, how to deal with long-term parental nutrition, um, how to standardize uh, parental nutrition, and um, also home, par home uh, parental care, because some, some infants um, don't stay in the hospital, they are uh, discharged on parental nutrition, and the parents make it at home. Home. And this is also included in these guidelines. So it's a very complex uh, guideline covering several um, uh, other topics like the basic macro and micronutrient support. So these guidelines were issued in 2018. And I'm curious as to what the impetus was for bringing out the guidelines in the first place. Was it the impression of ESPGAN? that there was substantial variation from institution to institution, possibly with variation in outcome associated with that? What was the need to say, this is how it should be done? Mm -hmm. Yeah, so this, these guidelines are an update of former published uh, guidelines, and the impetus for, for bringing these, these very diverse topics together was um, to uh, to give an, an, an um, 
yeah, to, uh, to, to help uh, physicians uh, preparing um, the right composition of parental nutrition to make the baby grow. In the former days, we only lose, used glucose and calcium and phosphorus um, just to um, yeah, maintenance fluid and, and, and bring some volume in, and we didn't um, care for the aspects of growth. And growth is extremely important for, for uh, especially for preterm infant, but also for, for very sick infants, um, to get a sufficient um, nutrient supply to recover from their illness. So, um, if you if you if the patient is stunting um, and um, not growing, um, it is very negative for the long-term outcome, in, in especially for preterm infants. So it is important uh, to give a sufficient supply of all the nutrients, macronutrients and micronutrients. And um, the ESPGAN was bringing together all these uh, different studies and aspects uh, of parental nutrition and um, put them together in a guideline. And this guideline was first published, I think, in 2006 and was now updated with the most recent uh, published literature. That helps me understand a little bit better that this is an ongoing project and is being fine-tuned as advances in the understanding of nutrition per se and as advances in other aspects of premature infant care move step by step to make it possible to do a better job for these tiny babies. Right, exactly. That was 2018. How are you monitoring the effects, the results of these guidelines across Europe or from institution to institution or within an institution as to the difference that they have made in the care of these babies? I know it's going to be difficult to pull out, to isolate, the effects of advances in nutrition from advances in other aspects of premature infant care. But isn't that one of the things that we should be looking at? Absolutely right. So um, the guideline contains advice uh, for the monitoring uh, in the hospital. So if you are on short-term or on long-term uh, parental nutrition, um, there is some guidance uh, what to monitor and how often you should monitor several um, um, values in the in the blood. For example, um, a, a red blood uh, um, red blood cell um, control or um, serum triglycerides, so fat and, and amino acid monitoring. So this is for in-hospital and for, of course uh, the growth parameters, anthropometry, um, but also um, long-term aspects when you are on home and parental nutrition, um, that you do your vitamin D status, for example. Um, and recently um, we were uh, doing a survey in the, in the German-speaking countries on how uh, the, these new guidelines were implemented in the hospitals. And we were asking for problems um, neonatologists and pharmacists uh, had with their guidelines if they are implemented, if they can follow every part of these um, guidelines, for example, administration of all the nutrients, if um, if all the nutrients are, or if all the nutrient solutions are available, and so there are very interesting uh, results um, of this survey. Uh, I think most of 300 people or 300 neonatologists and pharmacists were participating, and um, what were the basic findings? Uh, we found that. Um, 
There were some problems, especially in the prescription. You know, the ASPIGAN recommends to use a prescription software um, to, to make accurate and um, standardized uh, prescriptions that everybody can read. So readability is, is uh, one big problem. And um, a lot of uh, uh, neonatal units or pharmacies in a very high-income country um, uh, were, not a, were not able to, to use prescription softwares because they don't have them in the hospital or um, the software couldn't communicate with the pharmacy. Um, so this was one um, issue that um, was really addressed uh, to improve these, these uh, prescription um, process. Um, and there were several other issues that uh, not all um, neonatal intensive care units uh, were uh, have access to to standardized parental nutrition, so they do more or less a cookbook medicine, where they put it all together on the ward or um, where the pharmacy produces it on an everyday basis. So um, standardization and safety are real um, um, issues that has to be addressed also for the future um, in terms of uh, parental uh, prescription um, that's, I think, very important and there has to be a, done a lot in the future um, to make it more safe um, and um, to also look on issues like compatibility and um, safety. Yeah. Well, once you set up standards, then those standards become something to which individuals or institutions or even supra-institutional organizations, national bodies, can be held. If you're not doing it according to the standard, then there are approaches available to compel you to come up to the standard. Working, for example, with hospital accreditation bodies to say, this must be done better. I'm reminded of one of my teachers in art class who used a ruler in order to check whether or not I was doing my mechanical drawing properly. She used it as a tool to see if I was doing things right. And if I wasn't, well, she would whack me with it. Esbegan <laughs> could, through working with national or supranational organizations, compel compliance. Is that underway? Um, well, I think um, one thing Espigan could could be an innovator um, in this um, in this question uh, would be to um, to um, provide a, a new prescription software or a standardized or all European or worldwide prescription software which can be used by everybody. Um, and I think uh, um, the programming is not the, 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 the problem because that's um, not very sophisticated. But to get a certificate for it, a CE certificate, um, um, is cost-intensive. And this could be perhaps covered by the ESPGAN. Um And the second issue is um, 
the hospitals have different digital infrastructures and um, to, to implement um, such a, a unique software in in all the hospitals uh, could be a challenge because the the, the local um, infrastructure is so different from country to country and even from, even from hospital to hospital that makes it real um, difficult. But this could be an innovation the ASPICAN um, can, can set to improve uh, the care uh, of these patients. Well, ASPICAN then is working as best it can to make certain that throughout Europe and as you commented in um, mainland China as well, uniform approaches are being taken to parenteral alimentation in the very small premature infant. And we now come to to what extent this can be extended to less well-off countries outside Europe. What relevance do these guidelines have? Are they, are they just a dream? given the amount of technology and given the amount of resources that have to be used in order to utilize them. What's your opinion on that? Yes, well, of course, we have feedback from, from low-income and middle-income countries, and uh, the, the situation there is very diverse uh, sometimes. You know, we have these this countrysides with no access to, to medical care, and we have the largest cities, so very diverse situation. And also the availability of... Um, you know, the devices for uh, intravenous access or, um, uh, you know, these ready-to-use bags, uh, which are, think, I think are, are a real good innovation for these countries. Um, some of them do not have access to them, but ready-to-use bags providing um, standardized basic nutrition for this infant could be a solution for these countries uh, because they don't have to mix it on the ward. There is no contamination risk. They just take the bag which they can store at room temperature um, and uh, put them on the bedside. And the only thing you need more or less is intravenous success for the baby. So this might be an opportunity to improve um, the, the parental nutrition or the nutrition situation, nutritional situation of, these, uh, of the infants in these countries. Um, but of course, these bags are expensive and um, um, also, companies might not be interested um, um, in these markets. Um, so I think there is also um, it's also important that that companies providing parental nutrition for preterm infants, term infants, uh, or, or or children um, should have a look on these markets and um, see the potential. Um, I think that might be a, a innovation for these countries. Yeah. That sounds like a grand idea. That's the engineering. We have a solution. How do we get it to these kids? That's the engineering. Now, the basic science of parental nutrition, where is that moving and where has it moved since the guidelines were put out in 2018? Um, yes, I think that the guidelines are, well, the the... the Receipts uh, are already very sophisticated. Um, there is um, some work on the the one and the the 
nutrients, uh, single nutrients like, uh, for example, lipid solutions um, to um, to improve them. Um, but these are, you know, these are minor issues. These are just, uh, yeah, a little bit cookbook medicine. How can we improve the 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 one of one of uh, out of 20 uh, nutrients but i think um the the future aspects are uh, to invest uh, and to investigate uh, how to improve safety um compatibility of of solutions to make it more safe um for the for the preterm infants and also as i mentioned before these these prescription software to establish um in every neonatal unit or in every pediatric intensive care unit uh, to, to, to have access to, to software uh, that makes it much more safer and accurate to prescribe parental nutrition. I think these are really the future aspects we should work on. That and the monitoring aspects, the need to change course, to need to adjust the course. Again, that monitoring software or those monitoring programs must be very important. Yes, um, and it could also be a resource of new research because if we, for example, one country or all over Europe uses the same software, we can put our data together and um, get more information on how we're doing uh, that our babies grow. We get more feedback because we have big data um, 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 trials um, to to get more information on that and to learn more quickly uh, how to uh, improve our management in these patients. So, uh, putting the data together is always a, a problem in intensive care medicine uh, because we don't have that much uh, patients. We um, we have 100 patients per year or 200 patients per year in one unit, and um, uh, usually the the power calculations to to uh, get real reliable information um, from trials that what are you really doing or to answer your research questions these power calculations are much larger so working together um, country wise or all over Europe would be a very important thing um, in these questions and to do that well unified software in prescribing, unified software in compounding, unified software in monitoring, all of those would markedly facilitate, markedly increase the size of the reservoir of data on which you could draw to make things better. Right. Got it. It's almost time to conclude the podcast. But before we do that, what are your take-home messages for the auditors today? Um, well, um, I think um, important is to identify the patient who needs parental nutrition. It's very um, clear that very preterm infant needs uh, parental nutrition, but also to identify the sick patient who needs parental nutrition to improve uh, their situation. Um, the second thing is to provide adequate parental nutrition, so provide all the macro and micronutrients uh, the baby needs. Uh, either as an individualized um, parental nutrition bag or a, or a standardized uh, uh, nutrition bag, whatever is available. Um, the third thing um, is to um, 
really try to improve the safety and accuracy how to um, um, apply parental nutrition, either by prescription software or yeah, improvement of the other processes, uh, communication to the pharmacy, involvement of a pharmacist, um, so that we can do better in the care of, the, of these patients. I think these are the, the three key issues. Great. Thank you very much. But we now need to go back to Linz, those first 10 years in Upper Austria, and to Vienna, and to your shift to the big city. Are you still a country girl? <laughs> a little bit, yes. And I will go back soon to Linz and uh, be head of the neonatal department there in April. So um, oh, that's I go back to the you. countryside, yeah. <laughs> Now, I, I know any number of people who, they say, I may be a doctor, but that doesn't excuse me from all of the other things that I need to do in my life. I've got, I've got a husband to take care of, and God knows he's hopeless. And my kids, how are they coming along? In effect, when you're there in the lecture room talking to 200 medical students, somewhere in the back of your mind is... I have to go to the store and get Lou Roll on the way home. All of those work-life balance issues. How do you manage that? Well, I think for every woman it's very difficult uh, when you have um, two children and a husband. Um, so it's the same, I think, as in every other working woman it's always every day is a challenge more or less um, uh, to organize uh, bringing the kids to the sports or whatever and to uh, to manage the house um, but I have a very supportive partner and uh, therefore um, we could manage it or we can manage it um, and I have also a supporting family and I think that's very important to to ask for help um, um, in the management of a family and to work as a full-time physician and researcher. Yeah. But you've already told us that when you're confronted with stress, you run toward it, not away from it. Right. So That's an advantage. <laughs> <laughs> so talking about stress, how about your work on this committee? Has this been stressful? Uh, I imagine it has, but has it been rewarding as well? No, it's not stressful. It's really, um, yeah, it's, uh, you know, as the, I came to the nutrition committee during the pandemic, so our first um, meetings were on Zoom and I, it wasn't possible to meet the people, the experts um, face to face. And we had our first meeting in Italy uh, two months ago and it was, uh, yeah, it was uh, it was really nice to to see them face in face to discuss with them. We are a very diversified group. We are pediatric gastroenterologists interested in nutrition, and we are also neonatologists, and we are also allied health professionals, and we are working together. And everybody brings so many um, input um, from from their daily work in the topics which are different, which are diversified also. So we have a few neonatal topics like enteral nutrition is our next uh, approach. Uh, of the preterm infants, um, but we also have um, topics uh, from the gastroenterologists um, like IBD nutrition or short bowel syndrome nutrition, um, where we work also together with other committees. So it's really interesting to exchange with other experts and um, yeah, to be a member of this of this um, of this group. Fantastic. We close very frequently with a few 
standardized questions, one of which is, what was the worst experience in your career? Well, I can't think of a specific uh, event, but I think whenever you lose a patient, it's, it's always a very sad experience, and, and I'm still not used to it. Of course. Young colleagues, here you are, you want to make a career. Um, how should they go about finding their way to a niche that fits them as well as your niche fits you? Well, I think they, they, they should be tough, especially women, and never lose the sight of the goal. That's important. Pediatric gastroenterology, hepatology, and nutrition. Over the last five years, taking a view that goes beyond your particular area, what's the most important innovation in your eyes? Well, I think, and that's also the feedback I get from, from younger colleagues, that the, that the expansion of educational programs uh, in the ESPGAN um, is a real innovation, especially the hand-on trainings, uh, hands-on trainings, um, the summer schools, the master classes. Um, there was a lot of effort put in, this, um, uh, in these programs. And I think the young people are really... Um, yeah, they participate, uh, they meet each other, they network, and I think this is uh, a real good and an important innovation of the ASPGAN. Fantastic. And five years from now, what do you see ASPGAN contributing, and how do you see it contributing better? Uh, well, in my field, um, I think there is um, there will be a lot of um, improvement in the management of um, intensive care, but also in enteral nutrition of preterm and term infants. There's a lot of research going on um, in the properties of human milk. You know, these oligosaccharides, stem cells, extraventricular vesicles, probiotics. I think there is a lot of uh, innovation um, that will be coming up uh, during the next five years. In nutrition in particular. Yes. Dr. Hyden, thank you so much for this. We're at the end of our podcast, and we, at the end of every podcast, make it a point to ask the interviewee for something about his or her country that will remind us all that although ESPGAN is about unity and about standardization, and about all the other things that you've shared with us that make it possible to gather larger databases and to make progress in scientific medicine. Yet we're all individual countries, individual people. So you are from Austria. What is your Austrian song? Well, I've chosen Rock Me Amadeus from Falco, and um, I love that song because it has a lot of drive, and I think it represents um, our country uh, real properly. That's just great. Everybody knows that song. I'm a punk on
Unter dem Tippen der großen Staat Es war in Wien, war Vienna, wo er alles tat Er hatte Schulden, dann er träumt, doch ihn liebten alle Frauen Und jede rief, er kam, drop me, Amadeus Er war Superstar, er war populär Er war so exaltiert, because er hatte Flair Er war ein Virtuose, war ein Rock-Idol Und alles rief, er kam, drop me, Amadeus Du mit If you would like to listen to this song in full length, please check out our SBGAN playlist. Everybody knows that as representative of Austria, so you, you've chosen something national and international. Great. Well, thank you very much um, for this great interview and for listening, and I hope um, that the listeners of these podcasts have some new ideas that they can implement in their um, hospitals um, and stay safe in these hard times. Thank you.